Hello, and welcome back to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am, as always, Chris Yeh. And in today's episode, I am once again joined by my colleague Scott Johnson of Blitzscaling Ventures to discuss Blitzscalable Venture Deals, this time for December of 2021. Please enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to our monthly look at Blitzscalable Venture Deals. I'm Chris Yeh, and I'm joined by Scott Johnson, my partner at Blitzscaling Ventures. Scott, how are you doing? Doing great today, Chris. Always look forward to these discussions with you. How does the crop of deals look this month? I think this is for December of 2021, correct? Yeah, and you'd expect in December that there'd be a small drop-off, right? Because of the holidays, people slow down at year-end. And guess what? It, it's true. There was a slowdown. There were 115 deals, which is certainly not a slow pace. But compared to prior months, which were up more around like 150, it is, it is a step back. So there was a little less activity. Nevertheless, we did find six, which is above average, six deals that scored above 80, which as everybody knows who's listened to this podcast before, we score our deals from one to 100. And I don't think anyone's ever scored a one, have they, Chris? But, um, no, <laughs> we could... you'd have to be pretty terrible to score a one. <laughs> Maybe like the local pizza shop um, or a gas station. But, uh, you know, 80 is a really, really difficult score to get, 80 out of 100. And six deals managed to get that score to reach that level this month. And we're going to talk about them. And it was... It's, it's so, as I said, it's a strong crop. Uh, there were a couple of seed deals, uh, three actually. So half of them are seed deals and one series A and two series B. And we're going to go sort of score, score by score, low to high and start with a really interesting company called Wisdom. Yeah. So Wisdom is a social audio app and the approach they're taking is they're saying, hey, if you want to connect with or listen to experts, speak in terms of audio, then wisdom's going to be the place to be. So they're looking for influencers and experts to have these conversations online with an audience. And you could be an audience member just listening in, or you could be somebody participating. And wisdom is both live so that you can interact as well as recorded. So throughout all these live calls that are happening, wisdom is recording them and gradually building up a massive library of hopefully useful how-to and knowledge based content. And obviously you can think of this as a play on the social audio boom that was kicked off by Clubhouse, but it seems like they've tried to address some of the big concerns I had with Clubhouse. So with Wisdom, it's a real focus on people teaching some sort of skills or informing people as opposed to just sort of self-promotional life coaches and crypto bros. And there's also this notion of it's recorded because this content is great. And one of the most important ways to aid discovery of audio is recorded audio. If people have to tune into something live and they miss it, maybe they won't even bother trying the next time. So having that recorded really seems to help out a lot. It's still very early on. It's a seed deal. Who's the investor here? Well, so it's a $2 million round and it is first round capital. And if you manage to get money from our friends at first round capital, then you've done something truly exceptional. I think they're considered one of the top two or three seed investors on the planet or certainly in the US. So well done at getting that round done. And they seem to be located maybe partly in London, maybe partly in New York. Uh, New York would make sense because first round has a big presence there. So uh, it's that's that's it. That's the only investor in the deal so far. 
Wow. Well, they've got a lot of conviction, it sounds like. And again, they are one of the top firms that we really pay attention to. So in and terms if you of this, want to find them, there, there are other companies called Wisdom. So we need to say that it's wisdom.audio, www.wisdom.audio. You'll find the company online that way. Perfect. Well, let's try to figure out the score for this company. So first of all, we are talking about a social media question and answer live and recorded platform. These have a lot of strong network effects. Obviously, it's a two-sided marketplace where the influencers and instructors want to go where the audience is. The audience wants to go where the best content is. There's no question about that. It's also the case that for the peak experience of being there live, being able to ask questions, get answers to your specific concerns, live creates even stronger network effects. It's harder to get going, but it's harder to coordinate everyone. But then once you're the live venue where all this stuff is happening, it's almost impossible for people to catch up. Just look at the dominant position that Twitch has. They're able to essentially see off players like YouTube, despite YouTube being the biggest website in the world backed by one of the biggest companies in the world. Of course, Twitch itself has its backing from Amazon, but let's not go into that too, in too great a depth. So we gave it a 10 out of 10 on winner take most. The second category, of course, is viral growth or distribution. This is hampered by the live because the peak experience is live. It's difficult to get live out immediately. One of the things we did back in the days of Ustream, which of course was my live video company that I helped start and we sold to IBM, is we went after people with large Twitter followings, because at the time, Twitter was the closest thing we had to real-time notification, letting people know, hey, you know, this is something you can check out. This was in the days before the iPhone. The iPhone, in fact, came out around the same time that we launched Ustream. So back then, there were no smartphones. Everyone was watching on their computers, and the only way to really notify them right away was with Twitter. So Wisdom just doesn't have that. They are going to have people who are influencers probably going ahead and, and helping spread the word to the people they know, telling them, hey, why don't you come check out the live event? And again, Wisdom's done a clever job of enabling them to take the audio. It's automatically provided to them. They could push it out over their podcast. So the podcast slash Wisdom feedback loop may also be something pretty good, but it's not a direct viral thing. It's not like just the regular usage drives more users. So we're going to give that an eight out of 10. What do you think about this next one, product market fit? Well, you know, you've downloaded the app, but you haven't used it yet. And so until you really use it and experience it, it's hard to know. I think it's pretty uh, evident that this fulfills a need, right? So if they've got a good user experience, then I think there's going to be some good product market fit potential here, but we certainly can't just give them full credit for product market fit when they're just getting going. What we typically do in a seed round is say, you know, it's, it's good. We'll give it a seven and we'll wait and see if they exceed that. So there's room for upside in their score if they really nail the product here. Yeah. And part and, of it is it's in its beta period. So you sign up for the app. It doesn't mean that you can immediately start jumping on and doing things. As we get experience with it, as I did with Clubhouse, we'll come back and revisit and we'll take a look at the score and decide what we think of it. And so as always, this scoring is a filtering process it's the front end of the funnel and then we actually go into using the product talking with founders talking with investors etc that's right we're screening here and we do like the market size we think that's a 10 out of 10. uh you know if if they achieve their goal then this could be really 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 big deal so that's exciting gross margin how are they going to monetize well it's likely they're going to have audio ads here 
which are very high margin. You still have to sell the advertising, but overall, I think the gross margin gets a 10 out of 10 for, um, as do all the other social networks that we analyze. And scalability, right? They've got, uh, you know, social networks scale beautifully from an organizational side. Operationally, though, audio is kind of heavyweight. So we we think that's only an eight out of 10 because audio files are big and delivering a lot of audio streams is kind of expensive and and can be difficult to scale. So, And it's especially hard to do so with live because of the coordination issue. You have more peak load. It doesn't spread itself out nicely the way recorded does. And you could see that in the struggles that Clubhouse had to actually get up to scale. They would have outages. They had to keep the basically the door shut and make it invitation only and slowly parcel out invitations because they just couldn't handle the load. So it is absolutely a challenge that they're going to have to overcome. That's right. You know, if Elon Musk suddenly brought all of his followers to a wisdom chat, that might kind of be a difficult thing for them to handle. So, you know, there is some scalability challenge there. Overall, though, it does score an 80. So, you know, social networks typically score really well with us, particularly the ones that are viral. This one's less viral, so it's not in the 90s, but it does score 80. So it's something that we're going to watch carefully. Hopefully their seed round will get them to a point where, they can really establish themselves as a leader and then get excited as as investors. Next is a deal that we're genuinely excited about because we've all had this problem. It's a company called Bounce and Bounce solves the problem of stashing your luggage somewhere when you can't put it at your hotel or your Airbnb, you know, you arrive on an overnight flight and you're there at seven in the morning. And what do you want to do? Drag your bags around until three in the afternoon when you can check into your Airbnb. That's a lot of fun. So no, you want to put them somewhere. And Bounce wants to be the worldwide app where that you reach for when you have that challenge. And they are a couple of years in and they survived some challenging times in the pandemic where nobody was dragging luggage around anywhere and are emerging now with the rest of the travel world and growing really fast. So this is an exciting company, but is it an exciting blitz scaler? Well, General Catalyst seems to think so because they have uh, been the lead investor to date. This is another seed deal, only $2 million dollars. That has been invested, so same as Wisdom. And if you want to find the website of the company, go to usebounce.com. So for the scoring, Chris, why don't you take us through the first couple metrics? Absolutely. So first of all, winner take most, it gets the classic 10 out of 10 for a two-sided marketplace. Because what if you think about it, what's most important if I am looking to drop off my luggage, it's the location. Is it going to be somewhere convenient for me? And so the more locations you have, the more appealing it is for the individual consumer. On the other hand, for the locations themselves, the store owners, in this case, Bounce works with various small businesses and they have a massive deal with the UPS stores to do this. Those businesses want to know that there's going to be foot traffic, that there's going to be people coming in. It's going to be worthwhile for them to actually train their people on taking in these bags and storing them. And so as a result, they are also going to gravitate towards the folks that have the highest volume, that have the most travelers. And so we have this beautiful feedback loop that tends to drive a winner-take-most business. And that's one of the reasons why Bounce has been able to grow so quickly during the pandemic or during the aftermath of the pandemic. 
from a viral growth or distribution? Well, just before you leave that, I, there's one more aspect, which is that you want this to be global, right? So no matter where you land, you reach for the same app. That matters with Uber. It matters with travel, that no matter where you are, you reach for the same app to solve the problem that you have. And if this only worked at LAX and LaGuardia, then, okay, you know, it's an interesting niche play, but it's not an app you're going to keep on your home screen if you travel a lot. So it's really important that they kind of take over the world. And that is such an important point. I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the things we did, we're mixing things a little bit, but we're doing our own due diligence on this deal because it is a hot deal that we're looking at right now. And it was funny because while we were on the phone talking, I said, hey, there is a UPS store a block away from my office that is listed on Bounce. Let me just go over there. And while we were on the phone, I walked over there, went into the UPS store and said, hey, do you store luggage here? And they're like, you can, but you have to go through the app. I'm like, oh, okay, well, well, thanks. Where do you store it? Oh, it's in the back, it's kept secure. I'm like, are people using it? Oh yeah, we have people coming in all the time. I'm like, oh, thank you very much. And we actually went ahead and looked at some of the other competitors just in the luggage storage area. Bounce is eventually gonna be more than just luggage, but we looked at luggage storage and tried a couple of locations and boy, Bounce had much better coverage than any of the other competitors we looked at. Yeah, density here really, really matters, just like Airbnb. You know, you go to a place, you don't want one choice, you want a whole lot of choices right near where you wanna be. So, Or one of our a, other investments, landing, same thing. And density landing, matters. same thing, absolutely right. Uh, viral growth. Now we can talk about that. And it's not really that viral. I think people will tell each other about it if it helps them solve a problem, sort of like you did with Uber. But Uber wasn't viral either in the sense that, you know, if you took an Uber, you didn't like tweet out about it necessarily. You just were like, oh, that's great. I'm going to use it again. And when, you know, when a friend of mine has that challenge, I'm going to point them to this. So you got to download this app. It's awesome. But it wasn't inherently viral the way a social network is, where you bring your friends on as sort of the default use case of the service. So it's an eight out of 10. Anything you want to add to that, Chris? We think this is an area where they can improve. And there's a couple of things that they've already started working on. There's more that are out in the future. One of the things they have started working on is to start to create signage at their various bounce locations to promote bounce. These are high foot traffic areas. Think about a UPS store. People are going in there all the time. If they see, hey, bounce is the place where you can store your luggage, they're locals. They're not likely to store it at that UPS store, but they're like, oh, this is global. I can use this anywhere. It's a great way to drive awareness. The other thing, of course, and the dream here would be a global partnership with Airbnb, because unlike a hotel where there's a front desk and a bell desk and you can go ahead and store your bags, that doesn't exist at Airbnb. There's no easy way to store your bags without checking out. And so all Airbnb travelers should be aware that this option exists and it can really help them out. So we think that there's a lot of possibilities to even improve this score from where it is. Yeah, but in the end, I think they're going to have to raise some money and do some awareness advertising and put billboards in uh, in airports or something. You know, it's just so there's posters in airports as you're standing there on the moving sidewalk thing between uh, your gate and the exit. You can look at those signs or I don't know. There's there's there are ways to get to I do love that idea. I love yeah. the idea of the airport advertising because again that's the kind of traveler we want to reach out to and hit it's the airport the airport airplane traveler if somebody's driving a car from place to place they just leave stuff in their trunk so we want to hit those airline travelers so i think that's great yeah okay product market fit uh you know we uh we happen to know a little bit about the traction at this company they've also been in business now for three years with their product 
and iterated on it and done a great job with it. So we gave it an eight, which is higher than the typical seven we give for a seed round when we don't really know that much about it. Uh, we've done some work here and it actually is a terrific user experience. So, um, and, and the, the, the growth they've seen is impressive. So the numbers bear out the fact that we can give this an eight and feel pretty confident about that. Okay. Next up market is market size. size. Yeah, yes. what do you think? So for market size, it, we ended up looking at it in two different ways and then splitting the difference. One way to look at it is to say this is luggage storage and luggage storage is a market that is a fraction of the travel market, right? Because not everyone needs to store their luggage. And then if you think about the cost, right? Let's say you have to store your luggage every time you take a stay at an Airbnb. Well, every time you stay in an Airbnb, you're spending hundreds of dollars. And at the very tail end, you spend $6 a bag to store things with bounce. So that makes it a smaller opportunity. However, the vision of Bounce and its founder and team is definitely, this is not the end all, this is just the beginning. And in fact, once you have this massive network of retail locations, once you have the ability to help people, they're already starting off, they have a new service called Package Acceptance. I think we had a discussion about this. Your daughter is having problems getting packages in New York, and this is exactly the kind of thing she might use. Well, not just her, everybody in New York that lives in a multi-tenant building without a, a doorman is having packages stolen and the police won't do anything about it unless it's worth more than $2,000. So people are brazenly walking into buildings, looking for whatever they can fence easily and grabbing the package and walking out and tenants say, hey, you can't do that. And they say, well, go ahead and call the cops. I don't care what you say. I'm walking out with this package. And that is a huge problem for this and this would solve it right so if you have your package delivered instead to a store that has people working at it and safely stored in the back then you're going to get your package so anything that's worth something which is a lot of packages are worth something then you could solve it with this so that's a really good idea for for the you know as, as i think this is more common than people realize that packages get stolen off of doorstops at houses doorsteps at houses and also in multi-tenant buildings now where there's not a lot of enforcement yeah. So there's a lot of possibilities for additional expansion. So we kind of you know, split the difference. We gave it a nine for now. I think that we could be persuaded eventually that this is a 10 if their visions start to come true. We think that there's a lot of potential upside, but we gave it a nine for now. Then for gross margin, um, we have insider information. We can't be at liberty to say, but suffice to say, gross margins are excellent. They would typically be excellent anyways because uh, it's a marketplace business. And so that the, whatever your take rate ends up being, whatever revenues get off that tend to be extremely high margins. So 10 out of 10. Org scalability. Yeah. This so is another way to say that is the, 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 the take itself is high margin revenue. Right. And that's what we consider revenue in a two-star marketplace business with a take rate business model. The take itself is the revenue and therefore it's super high margin. In this case, we also happen to know that it's a good take rate. <clears throat> so org scalability, you know, um, travel, you know, that implies customer service, you know, you can't lose people's bags. And when you do, oh my gosh, you know, like how do you, you know, do, do you can have insurance against that, but there's a whole claims process. And so, you know, we think that there might be some extra people involved here more than a typical uh, two-sided marketplace. 
They're also trying to bring on board partners who are small businesses. They're hard to reach. You basically have to call them up on the phone. And, and there's a lot of people involved on the sales side of a company like this as well. So again, org scalability is not ideal. It's not like a Instagram where you can serve 100 million customers with five people. Yeah, I can just envision the phone call when the UPS close, store closes at six and you get there at 6.05 and your bag's in the back and you can't get your bag. So there's... Um... There are some challenges here that they're going to have to solve with human beings. Uh, op scalability, on the other hand, they're not handling any of this stuff. So the operation of this is just keeping their website up and running and uh, managing some people that are answering customer concerns. So I, I think there's, uh, there's really no reduction there in score. We gave it a 10 out of 10. And uh, this nets out once again to an 80. So an awesome score for Bounce and certainly a company that needs to blitz scale and own that category of, you know, where's the app that you pick when you land in a city or when you need something, a problem solved for you that a local business can solve. They want to be the, the chiclet that you click on every single time. And to do that, you better be the winner that takes most. <clears throat> okay. So we have, uh, uh, that's uh, two down, four to go. Next company we're talking about is apex.ai. And that's the URL. So I don't need to tell you all about the URL. This was a series B, so they're further along. And it's uh, looks like a $56.5 million raise. Company's in Palo Alto. And we've got Lightspeed in here. We've got Canon Partners in here. And those are two of the venture firms that we follow closely. And so they've got good investors. They've got a lot of cash, but Chris, what the heck do they do? Yeah. So what they're doing is they're building an operating system for autonomous vehicles. And the thing about autonomous vehicles is we have all these different efforts underway. Probably the leading companies in the field are Waymo, which was spun out of Google. They did a lot of the early pioneering work on autonomous vehicles. There's a company called Aurora, which actually went public via SPAC, which was uh, operated in part by my co-author, Reid Hoffman. So obviously he's very high on that company. Uh, the way they've described Aurora, it's like, what if we got to re-implement from scratch without making any of the mistakes we made with Waymo. And of course there's Cruise, which is now part of General Motors as well. So these are three leading figures in the field. And those folks are unlikely to go ahead and adopt uh, something like Apex because that's what they're doing. They're building their own operating system for uh, autonomous vehicles. However, the thing is, there's a lot of other people out there who are looking to build autonomous vehicles who aren't doing so well. The traditional car makers, for example, Toyota, Ford, Volkswagen, and so on and so forth, their autonomous vehicle projects have not done particularly well. They know they need to have something in this area. And so Apex could very well be like the arms dealer or the Switzerland that is adopted by all these folks. And the car makers, again, they know that it's going to be difficult for them to control the one thing. The next best thing is for everyone to be on a level playing field. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity for Apex in that area. The other area that we'd have a lot of potential upside in is in non-car applications, because car companies, even the legacy car companies have got a ton of money. You go beyond that to other forms of autonomous vehicles that are not cars, and boy, they don't have nearly as much money, and they can get a lot of benefit out of something like this. 
Okay. Well, so they want to be the operating system, uh, the, the platform uh, that you reach for when you want to create your own autonomous vehicle. That's a great idea. Um, let's look at the scoring. So is this a winner take most? I, you know, I think there could be a couple winners here, maybe in, in a couple different segments, but um, how do you think about it, Chris? So this is an interesting one because you have to look at it in the context of the market. And the market is the autonomous vehicles market outside of Waymo, Aurora, and Cruise. Those are ones which represent the big lead and they're not gonna give it up. But then the question is the rest of that market, is it winner take most? And the answer is, well, yes. I mean, this is a classic operating system dynamic. The more people who adopt an operating system, the more developers are going to then develop down that operating system, the more people are going to buy in. And they've already got good buy-in. So you mentioned some of the investors uh, in terms of Lightspeed and Kane, and those are the folks. Yeah, those are the financial investors. There's the financial investors, but then there are a series of strategic investors that include Airbus Ventures. They are looking for autonomous robo flying robo-taxis, for example, and the technology could be potentially useful there. They're looking at, they took money from Toyota Ventures. They took money from a couple of the big manufacturers that are suppliers, these folks, folks you and I haven't heard of, but are gigantic technology providers like ZF. So they actually have the support of the established auto industry. Industry. The auto industry has made a bet with their wallets and they've been betting on Apex. Okay. Well, so good. You know, the, the, there's strong winner take most dynamic here. And it's such a big market that if you take most of the, the segment that they're uh, going after, then it's, it's still a, a, a very large market. So um, we go down next to viral growth and distribution which you know you kind of have to this is an embedded sale right so you have to be built in to whatever products are being delivered and so does that take off like wildfire can we give a high score here we can't give it that high a score because this is a traditional enterprise kind of sale you got to be baked in by the OEM they have an advantage in the sense that they have a lot of these OEMs as investors already, but that's not a guarantee. And so we gave them an eight out of 10, which is a good score reflecting their strong relationships in the automotive industry, but not a great one. Yeah. And it's not a five, right? I mean, once you do get one of these sales, the volumes are enormous. So it is a highly leveraged situation. It's just the sales cycles are long. And so, you know, it's going to take a little while. Uh, product market fit. Um, you know, who knows? We, we haven't uh, downloaded the product and tried it out on the autonomous vehicle that we're building in our basement, have we, Chris? No, and, and that is one of the reflections, right? The Scott and Chris Autonomous Vehicle Company, we haven't got the great connections with Toyota and Ford and those other folks in order to get it in. So, yeah, this is one where we're guessing. Uh, again, we gave it, a, we're conservative, we gave it a seven just because it's a big challenge, it could very well be higher than that. And that may be reflected in the fact that it's a Series B deal, but we're conservative here giving it a seven. Yep, we just don't know. So, um, but what we do know is this is a big market. So we get a 10 out of 10 for that. We do know that this is software. So the gross margin is awesome at 10 out of 10. And we know that this is the kind of thing that can scale the, you know, you just make software, it scales. You just 
deliver it and say, here you go. So, um, you know, both organizationally and operationally, uh, hard to do better than just good old fashioned enterprise software. So 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 there. Final score is an 82. So stepping up a little bit from the 80s that we got. But, you know, again, we don't know about product market fit. This could be higher than that. What we do know is this is a really interesting company to watch and a lot of people are betting on it and they got a strong series B done. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly a company that in a year, a year from now, I, I expect will accomplish quite a bit. And this is also one where we can really benefit from my co-author's expertise in the area, provided it's not a conflict of interest, because after all, he's been involved in quite a number of autonomous vehicle plays. Aurora, of course, uh, where he invested as a partner at Greylock, and which took the company public via SPAC using reInvent Technology Partners, Neuro, Convoy, and many others. So we'll have to see if it's a conflict or not. If it isn't, we will definitely take advantage of that expertise. All right, moving on. That's three down, three to go. Uh, Misten Labs, M-Y-S-T-E-N. So mistenlabs.com is if you want to look for them online. You won't find a whole lot there, um, but I, I do want to tell a story about uh, WebLogic. So I, once upon a time, I invested in a company called WebLogic right when the web was starting to be a big deal for enterprise and people wanted to create uh, web apps, basically the, the applications that ran on the web you know, e-commerce sites and, and you name it. Uh, and Java had come out, but it was a really a pain in the neck to implement. You had to do a lot of just base work to get to, to, to the, to just to home plate to take a swing at the bat at the pitch. It was a ton of work just to get going. So this category emerged called an app server, and it was just a bunch of stuff that was already written for you. So the sandbox was already there. And WebLogic made the first Java 2 EE app server, and they sold a ton, a ton, a ton of that. Eventually, the company sold to BEA Systems and was the foundational product of that company's success. So Mistin is kind of doing that same thing, but this time for Web3 apps. So when you think about Web3, you think about blockchain and you think about smart contracts and just all the complexity that goes into just getting a a high quality foundation for the actual product you want to build on top of all that. And Mistin saw this problem, said we need to create a super high quality foundation for all the people that want to build real businesses on top of these Web3 concepts. And so they have a killer team, all of pe all people who are very famous in uh, building apps on top of the blockchain. And so it's, it's a lot of the team is out of Facebook. But uh, they um, they took a Series A down, and I give everybody one guess who led this one, and it is you know the super Web three investors themselves, Andries and Horowitz. It's thirty six million dollars in the Series A, but it's not just Andries, and they led it. But Lightspeed is in here, Slow Ventures is in here. We've got NFX, we've got Redpoint, and a bunch of Coinbase Ventures. So you know these are people who know better. And they are all putting their money behind this company, sort of saying, you know, this is a real problem and this is the best team. Nobody's going to out execute this team. So we've got a real problem and we've got the best team. And that's often a formula for success. So let's give them a really nice full Series A to uh, to take this problem and own it. So, uh, you know, any, anything to add about what they do, Chris? 
Yeah, so I just want to mention that this is one of the things about Web3 that is both exciting and frustrating, which is so often it seems like the people who populate this landscape are not that interested in solving the hard technical problems. They kind of hand wave them away and say, well, somebody will figure that out. Now, the question is, who is that somebody going to be? And Miston Labs stepped up to the plate and the founders are like, hey, listen, people are not solving these tough problems. We're going to go after the tough problems. We're going to figure out how we can actually build that foundational infrastructure. And as you mentioned, they come out of Facebook's own blockchain efforts. These are people with decades of engineering experience, really top level, doing stuff at Apple and, and so on and so forth. So I do think that this is a great picks and shovels play for Web3. And that's what's got me excited about it. Okay, so uh, let's let's run through the scoring. Obviously, we know they scored better than uh, 80, but how much better? Uh, first of all, winner take most. What do you think? Well, you know, this is an operating system play, and that can get it a full 10 out of 10. And this is especially true because so few people in the Web3 space want to do this hard work. And Miston can basically be the person who is the, the person studying hard and getting the grades and everyone else is just sort of like staring over and copying off of them in the midterm exam. Okay, so uh, so we, we think they're just going to be the go-to. There's so much, someone's going to be the go-to infrastructure player here. Uh, there's some examples of that, of course, in uh, gaming, right? So there's some gaming mm -hmm. engines where that's just that's, you know that they have their it's their Unreal Engine is okay. That we'll have to use that because that's got everything you'd want and it's done in a robust way. So I totally on board with the ten out of ten there. Viral growth. So did it? Did, do you think Unreal had viral growth? I don't think so. So they don't, and they don't have the full on 10 out of 10 viral growth and distribution. What they are doing, however, is they are taking on a, an open source approach. They're trying to get things out there as quickly as possible, making it as easy as possible for people to adopt. And this is exactly the right thing to be doing at this stage. Yeah, perfect. What you just want it, you want there to be zero friction to adopt it. And that is smart. And of course, within the overall industry, everyone is super tightly networked and talking to each other. And even if sometimes I can't understand anything that they're saying. And so there's just a lot of natural connectivity and word of mouth. And because they have the power of Coinbase and Dreesen Horowitz, all the people who are influential in Web3 saying, hey, you guys should use Mist and Labs. We also think that helps. So we gave them an eight out of 10, which is a very solid score. Yeah. In the, what, Andreessen wrote an article about why they invested. And one of the things they said was that a lot of their portfolio companies were just in love with what these guys were doing. And so I think, you know, there's, there's certainly going to be a lot of word of mouth and it's, it's, you know, while web three is a, a big idea and it's, you know, worldwide and global, and it sounds daunting to sell to everybody, actually the number of people that are writing these apps, isn't that many, and they're pretty easy to reach. They're all kind of in one place. And uh, there's probably a single discord that if you just become really, really vocal on a couple of discords, everybody will know about it. So we think that there is good distribution here. So eight out of 10. Um, certainly not lower than that. Product market fit, uh, you know, based on what we read in the Andreessen article, we think it's like about an eight. Um, that said, it's early, right? So they're, they're just getting going, solving some of these big problems. So it's hard to say for sure. And this is not the kind of thing where you can just download the app and sort of guess, not guess, but see for yourself if it's usable.
Yeah, so, we're not in a position to do that. Uh, we're we're going to have to go ahead and start our own crypto project in order to test this out. Yeah, so I think we're going to be an eight there. Market size, gross margin, org scalability, op scalability, all tens for all of those metrics. This is, after all, just software that gets delivered, as we said, for Apex.ai, kind of the same thing. So in the end, they uh, they get an 84. And so, you know, that's... a uh, a good screening score. There's a lot of there's a lot we still don't know about this company, but we think for sure it's it's worth looking much more closely, and see if we can't get on board with uh, with what they're doing. And if nothing else, if we like what we see in due diligence, we can use them to form the infrastructure for when we launch our Blitzcoin. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's that's the right alongside the. Uh, <clears throat> the the uh, autonomous vehicle in, in Chris's basement is, is the, the new coin that, uh, that we're, we're coining. All right, so um, we have figured out Miston Labs and now on to sound. Now, if you recall, I think it was last you know, two months ago, we talked about Royal, maybe three months ago, we talked about Royal. And Royal was helping artists chop up their royalties as they write it, right as they're producing a song for the first time, they can already essentially sell futures of the royalties as nfts through royal and that just became a super hot deal uh this is a little different but it's in the same genre and it's a seed deal again so five million dollar seed and it is andreessen horowitz again and they are at sound.xyz if you want to find them on the web that's not intuitive so sound.xyz is where they can be found and it's can you describe the company chris connecting artists and listeners like what, what is it they're doing yeah so what they're doing is something that i think is very smart which is capitalizing on the dynamic of music snobbery so we all know the music snobs in our life maybe you are one we're not going to judge you too much they're the people who are like oh let me tell you about this cool new band nobody else knows about and then once the band becomes really popular like ah they sold out i was back there in the beginning and everyone's like yeah 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 i sure you were now that's what sound is addressing so with sound emerging artists can mint nfts that are based around the releases of their albums and their songs and it is a way of proving that you were actually there at the very beginning you were a part of the first hundred people who believed in the band or what have you and there's yet another wrinkle or twist in this which is you know obviously having this nft has gives you certain benefits you get access to an online community where you can interact with the artist and other fans and so on and so forth but one interesting wrinkle is having the nft allows you to comment on the song to provide your praise or your commentary or, or what have you and here's the interesting part if you sell that nft to someone else your original comment is erased and they get to put a new comment in so they are creating this value around being the holder of the nft in terms of bragging rights that goes well beyond the typical just speculation oh this is going to be worth a ton of money someday let me ape in right this is actually feeding into a core human need and this is a great time to remind folks of my co-author reed hoffman he has this famous saying that all these great consumer internet companies tap into the seven deadly sins 
And in the case of sound, we are tapping into the sin of pride, being one of these music snobs, being able to have your comment on the song appear there. My gosh, this fits so well with that market. Yeah, and you know, imagine if this existed when some of the iconic songs that we all know were coming out. You know, if you did the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want. It's a song everybody knows and cherishes. And and to say that, yeah, I, I was one of the first hundred people that really believed in that song, and I I can prove it with this thing. And and somebody who later became really wealthy and a great Rolling Stones. Uh, fan might want to buy that from you for quite a bit of money. So this is one of those NFTs that kind of has some inherent value, which many of them don't. Many of them have what's called artistic value, and that's, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. In this case, I think there's some real value in that the, the NFTs that are created here that actually become part of the lore of the iconic songs of the future, or that become the songs of now, I guess, that become iconic songs in the future, I think they could be worth a fair amount of money. So there's, there's, there is some, uh, apart from just be connecting with the music and the artist, there's, there's actually some interesting economic upside that could accrue here. So talking about scoring, um, you know, here we go for winner take most again. And Chris, I should point out that I don't want to give it away, but the next deal Replit also has a 10 out of 10. Everybody got a 10. All six companies got a 10 in winner take most this month. I don't think that's ever happened. So pretty interesting on that score. But let's, what do you think? Why is it a 10 out of 10 here? Well, I think it's a 10 out of 10 because we're looking for those factors that drive a winner take most market. And obviously, if you have a platform that's connecting art artists and listeners, we have a classic two-sided marketplace dynamic. The artists are want to go where the listeners are. The listeners are going to want to go where the artists are. It acts as a kind of operating system or platform play for the overall industry. And one of the things I think that is so clever in what they've done is to build the community around it as well, because that community starts to act a little like a social network and obviously the bigger it gets the more appealing it gets so they just have a variety of different network effects coming into play that help make it a winner take most opportunity as a side note we talked a little bit about royal.io earlier it's an interesting trade-off between what Royal's doing and what Sound is doing. What Royal is doing is really interesting from a business perspective because they're slicing and dicing the royalty stream, but that also increases the barriers and the friction to actually adopting things. Whereas in the case of uh, Sound, it's not touching the royalty stream. You don't have to worry about you know what's going on with the record label. This is something that you can actually do whether you're an independent artist or a big time artist that's already been signed. And so in in some ways, by avoiding the royalty stream, it actually gives them more opportunities to grow and more ways they can work with folks. Well, you also avoid the wrath of the SEC, who may decide that chopping up royalty streams is actually uh, creating shares of stock uh, or creating securities, more, more to the point, that need to be regulated and, and offered to the public in a particular way. And there's uh, certainly some risk to doing a lot of the the chopping up and selling of uh, basically securitizing assets that a lot of uh, <clears throat> the crypto companies are doing these days where, you know, it's like you want a, a piece of the, the Babe Ruth card or the, a, a piece of some antique or a piece of a building. And, you know, are those securities that should have an S1? And so there's a lot of discussion about that right now. Not here. With sound, they're not securitizing some income stream or some future income stream they're just saying here's this this thing that you can uh, you can purchase if you want so 
pretty uh, pretty safe in the from the SEC for sure. And so, what's next? Product market fit. You know, oh no, we didn't talk about viral growth and distribution oh, right. because there's Josh, this Josh. really important point yeah. here. So we gave this one a nine, which is higher than all the higher than all the previous ones we talked about, and that is yeah. because it taps into that wonderful human deadly sin of pride everyone who owns one of these freaking nfts is going to be talking about it constantly they're going to be as constant in their marketing of sound and of their position in sound as somebody who's a crossfit enthusiast telling you about how awesome the exercise program is i mean we're going to get sick of people putting their nfts out there and talking about it all the time that's why there's this great viral distribution score yeah, not only that, but the artists already have a built-in following. So when they want to get some sound uh, out into their fandom, then they can just do that, right? They, they have access through Instagram or through all their other social outlets. And so there's a way of just sort of turning on their fan base instantly. And we give them credit for that too. So so it's a, uh, it's a nine out of 10. And so that gives them you know what what should remind everyone like these first two metrics we're talking about that's 58 out of 100 points so if you do well on these first two metrics it can really impact your score and if you do poorly then you're kind of out of the race product market fit we have a seven um we don't know is the answer and we figure it's probably pretty good but we just don't know yet so you know it's a seed round and and you know, there's just only so much you can know at a seed round. You know, it's a $5 million seed. So we think they can make a lot of progress with that 5 million bucks, but we don't know. Market size, you know, this is music. So music's a big market, but they're not selling music. They're selling these NFTs that are part of music and everybody in the world listens to music. So that would drive me to think, well, maybe it's a 10 out of 10, but I don't know. This just doesn't feel like a 10 out of 10. And the funny, and that's the thing. Basically their whole thing is bragging rights. And bragging rights are a derivative of the music. They're not going to be as big a business as the music itself. So to be conservative, we gave it a nine out of 10. Again, maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe people are so freaking obsessed with this. It's going to be a 10 out of 10, which is, hey, even better. Yeah, but when you think about it, for every hundred friends you have, maybe two of them are what you call music snobs. I would I would say that I highly value my relationship with these music snobs because they surface music for me. Otherwise, I'd still be listening to the same stuff all the time. I need someone out there curating for me, and thank goodness for them. I thought but, you were listening to the same stuff all the time anyway, Scott. I didn't realize you were a new music guy. <laughs> Every once in a while, I branch out, and it's usually because my son has found something really great that that we just latch on to and love so it's uh you know and he's a music he's like a musician and so he, he listens to a lot of stuff and curates it for us and it's really helpful anyway so i, I you're gonna I, have I to say, ask him about what he thinks about this one because i don't think we asked him yet uh no you're right i'll bring it to his attention and we'll see but overall i think you know when we're talking about market size you know if you're really talking about those two and a hundred then yeah, it's hard to give it a 10 out of 10. It's not everyone that listens to music. It's everyone who cares deeply about music, which is a much smaller group, but still big enough to get a nine out of 10. All right, so gross margin, um, you know, these are NFTs, it's a virtual good. They could, they, it's pure margin, 10 out of 10, scalability, 10 out of 10. And so in the end, we have an 85. So that is a strong score for sound. Um, it's only a seed round, so we'll be very interested to see how they progress and certainly we'll approach them because it's a really interesting company 
And so that's definitely a Web3 company. And of course, Mistin is a Web3 company. So that's two of the six that we're talking about today are pretty core. You know, Web3 is pretty core to what they're doing. So, and, and <clears throat> I think, you know, we're going to see more and more of that. It's, it's certainly a phenomenon that we see accelerating. Uh, last and certainly not least is Replit, REPL.IT. And this is a Series B. And it's uh, Kotu led it with $80 million. So it's, it's like a pretty serious Series B. They've raised $104 million to date. And, you know, this is an Andreessen deal. It's also, um, you know, we've got Kotu, as I said, but Not Boring, which, you know, a little shout out to the Not Boring guys. They, they have a great newsletter that I read every time I see it. So they, uh, they invested here and they have a really well thought through thesis that they have online. If you want to read it, uh, go to notboring.com. But Replit is, uh, it's a way of writing computer code. So not everyone is excited about that right away, but you should be because it's really a way for you to code alongside someone else, sort of the way you create a Google doc, you can you know, create it yourself, but then it, multiple people can edit it at the same time. And as a former coder, I'm like, well, that won't work because what happens when it's time to test your code? Like you'd make a few changes, you want to test it. If somebody else is in the middle of changes down somewhere else, they're going to have errors. And so you'll never be able to test unless you sort of collaborate and say, okay, let's stop. And so, you know, source code control exists for a reason, and this doesn't have that that I know of. So how's it going to work? Well, it is working. And some of the numbers that they've achieved, I think they, what is it, 10 million users, Chris? And then, you know, that have created like, 50 million apps with 5 billion, I don't know. So the, the numbers themselves are saying that this is a phenomenon that needs to be paid attention to. And certainly KOTU has stepped in and written a big check saying that you better pay attention to this company. Yeah, this is a big swing. And you know this brings to mind one of the dictums of my co-author Reed Hoffman, our advisor at Blitzkilling Ventures, which is that oftentimes the biggest opportunities are the most controversial within a partnership. And this is one where we really think it's a big swing. It could succeed and be enormous or it could fail. And you reference, for example, the fact that you were a professional software developer and you're like, I would never ever use something like this. This whole collaboration part makes no sense. It doesn't, it flies in the face of all traditional software development. I actually had one of my most, I believe the term is grognard, one of these bearded guys who's been programming <laughs> since he was six years old. And he looked Seen at it, all. it, he hated it. He was like, my God, this is <laughs> terrible. This is absolutely awful, right? It's it's not the most sophisticated environment. It's not going to give you the best performance. There's all these reasons why he's like, this sucks. This doesn't make any sense. But the thing is, Replit is not for professional software developers. They're a whole strategy, and they actually have a whole education business that is driving most of the revenues right now, is to hook people on this when they're young. Now, a couple of terminology things. The way to think about Replit is it is an integrated development environment, IDE, but it goes beyond just an IDE because it's sort of everything it takes to program. And so you can select, you can create a, a REPL and within the REPL, you can select which programming language you're going to use. 
and Replit will run the program for you. And you can see immediately what it looks like. And then other people can actually, you can make it public and people can come in and use it. And everything is about what they call remixing. So by default, all the things that you build can be taken and forked and used by other people as well. And so it's like this giant collaborative way for people to build code. And the idea is this is not for the computer programmers of today. This is for the computer programs of 10 years from now, as well as anybody else who wants to program because it just makes it super duper easy like uh, Scott if you sat down and said you know what I need to do some C development I'm going to go and create an IDE I'm going to set up a repository I'm going to set up source control I'm going to set up uh, QA and everything else how long would that take you um, well at this point since I haven't done that for 30 years it would take a very very long time so um but you in general, go to yeah. replit and get it done in 10 <laughs> seconds yeah and, the, and you know I, I i went to replit and i'm like all right so what kind of little apps are being built here and i found one that looked like a little game and i clicked on it and i popped open the website and i hit go and next thing you know i'm playing what looks a lot like galaga which was one of my favorite all-time games and so I'm, I'm basically in our partner meeting playing this version of Galica created on Replit. And I'm, so I went, I went back and forth on this one. I'm like, oh, I hate this too. Oh, this is kind of interesting too. Oh, this stinks. And to, oh, wait, look at those numbers. Holy, wow. That's a lot of users. And so something's going on here. And then back to, but these apps are kind of stupid and small. It's just about education. And then, but it's really early. So then I'm back on board. I went, so I was off board and on board with this deal in the span of about 15 minutes when we were talking about it, about five times. It's really, really hard to sort of have conviction. On the other hand, something important is happening here. So we certainly need to pay attention. Yeah. So we're not going to say right now, okay, this is going to work. This is not going to work because like I said, it is a big swing in baseball terms. This is all right, whatever pitch is coming down the plate, I am swinging for the fences. And that is exactly what they're doing. It's got an amazing story of the founder who came out of Jordan, self-educated, ended up having to build all his own environment, ended up getting hired, came over to the United States, moved to Silicon uh, job it's a great success story i love hearing things like this and now he's built something that is just taking off like a rocket so let's actually score the deal because we got to actually complete this podcast somehow yes we do so winner take most this is a 10 out of 10 because what it is is, is a platform it is the purest expression of a platform uh, it has all the different network effects involved including the fact that other people can fork it other people can run it's it. like roblox right it's it's you know it's sort of roblox with code exactly so that's fantastic viral growth or distribution the fact that all these things are default public that you can just go and play galaga clone just by clicking on something you can even fork it and replace the galaga uh, spaceship with your own spaceship uh, it's incredible right so it's hyper hyper viral we gave it a nine out of ten just because you know if you think about it from a nuclear fission perspective Right, there's a quick history lesson. Back in World War II, the Manhattan Project is not actually that hard to design a nuclear bomb. What's hard is being able to have enough fissionable material because uranium-238, the most common isotope, will not actually support a chain reaction. To support a chain reaction, you either need to have uranium-235, which is much rarer, or you need to have plutonium, which is a element that did not exist in nature. And so the Manhattan Project was basically figuring out 
how can we filter out this tiny amount of uranium-235 from uranium ore so we have enough to make a bomb? And how do we figure out how to create this element that never existed before? I mean, this is like some Iron Man type stuff right here. We're going to create a new element that did not exist. And so when it comes to Replit, right now, it's like, oh, great. It's highly viral. People can stumble upon it. But how many people who stumble upon Replit are going to say, oh, now I'm going to write my own code? It's hard. There's no instructions on what to do, right? You just go in and you pick a language and guess what? I don't know any of the languages. And so they're not really making it super easy for people to come on. It feels like, you know, the, the chain reaction is difficult to get to. And yet there is enough of a vein. There may be enough of that uranium-235 that they found because they're growing like crazy. That's how it seems. They, you know, like in months, they're adding millions of users. So it's something's happening here. And Kotu certainly step forward with a big check. Um, so nine out of 10 for that product market fit, you know, we had to give it an eight, right? Uh, it, it certainly is some people are out there loving it. So maybe we should even give it a nine. I mean, it's, it's certainly remember, strong. I went and I went to like the, I went to a, you got into your Galaga game right away. I went to like three other apps and all three of them failed to load and couldn't work. Now, what was really promising was there were people complaining in the comments saying, why won't this thing load? Which means there's so many people looking at these things that they want them to load. But yeah, I'll tell you why it wasn't loading because there were two people coding at the same time and they, <laughs> one of them wasn't done yet. <laughs> there so, you go. So, I mean, that, that, that puts a damper on things. There's, there's some problems that still need to be worked out. When you feature something in your front page and somebody clicks on it, and it doesn't load and they click on the next thing and it doesn't load. They click on the third thing and it doesn't load. There are some problems. All right, so eight out of 10 there, market size. We said nine out of 10 because it's coders, you know, but you know, who knows? Like they're making games and the community right, would, will would grow. Would you have thought and, Roblox was a 10 out of 10 when it first well, came that's, out? Well, that's people making games and then people playing games. And it's so it's the game players actually mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. behind the business model there. So I, I feel like, you know, in that sense, yeah, that's everybody in the world, that's consumer and if this is more about learning how to code, then it's not. So uh, I think it's a nine. Uh, if they have a way of being more Roblox-like in their business model, then maybe it's maybe it's a ten. But that's the other thing is like yeah. there really isn't a business model here yet. Yeah. So all right, all right. Gross margin ten out of ten. Organizational scalability ten out of ten. Ops scalability. We gave it a nine. I don't yeah, remember why, Chris. I why, remember why exactly that? why. And the reason is what they're doing is complicated, right? You go into Replit, you can choose from any of 50 different languages, and then they have to be able to compile that language, run that language. They have all these different containers going on. Godly, I think I read somewhere they had like a half a million concurrent containers going at any given time, and it was probably increasing. So the reason why it's so easy for an individual to come in and program and code is because Replit is doing it all, but that means they have to do it all, right? It's not like they've invented a new language and a new set of optimized systems just for their own language. They have to support 57 different languages that already exist on the standard ways of running it, the standard platform. So this is a serious ops concern. And again, it can be done. Obviously, they're doing it, but it's just not that easy. All right. Well, so in the end, though, you know, because of that 10 and that nine to start with, they're well above 80 here and all the other good scores they got lead them to an 86. So 
this is a strong showing for a company that's raised a lot of money. It might be too late for us, honestly, if that $80 million was done that puts it above a billion post, then we're out of the running and the next round, you know, could be a lot higher than that. So it's probably too late for us to get involved, but we'll, you know, we'll see. Maybe there's a secondary we can find if we get excited enough about it and really find the conviction that we need to go ahead and make an investment. And besides which, it was still a lot of fun to talk about because, again, as Reed has said, the most controversial investments can sometimes be the best. Oh, yeah. So with that, we've come to the end of December deals. Uh, as always, it's amazing to me that we can look at 115 deals in a month and say, oh, that was a light month. Because before the pandemic, that would have been one of the heaviest months on record. So we yeah. continue to see an incredible, incredible pace. And as you heard, incredible companies. It'll be fascinating to see how January deals come out, whether we see a, a, a great resurgence. Again, we're in a world right now where the enthusiasm for Web3 seems to know no bounds. But on the other hand, there's a crypto crash, there's concerns about inflation. So there are a lot of things happening and it'll be fascinating to see what January deals look like. Yeah, but that's a wrap on 2021. And if you want to you know, go back and review the podcast for 2021, they're all there on our website which is blitzscalingvc.com. And you can also hear some of these on Chris Ye's website and it's uh, chrisye.com. So uh, we look forward to reconnecting with you when we do the first month of 2022. Thanks as always for coming in, Scott and everyone else. Thank you for listening. Please do tell a friend if you enjoy this and we'll look forward to talking with you again next month.